0: Welcome to Who New? We are fans of the current series of Doctor Who, and here we discuss our likes, dislikes, and insights into the modern regeneration of the show. Visit our website, whonewpodcast.com, or email us at WhonuPodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter and on Facebook at Whonew Podcast. Subscribe, review, and listen to us on iTunes and Stitcher, or our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Podcast. Today's episode is episode 10 of season 3, Blink. It's
1: perfect, okay, moving on, when the future becomes the present.
0: <laughs> don't blink. Don't even blink. Blink and you're dead. This episode is written by Stephen Moffat, directed by Hedy McDonald, and it originally aired on the 9th of June, 2007. It was originally watched by 6.1 million viewers. Hi, this is Eugene. Let's introduce ourselves.
2: Hi, this is Frank Shipton. I mean, just Frank. Just Frank. Don't look at me. <laughs>
0: This is Josh.
2: Hello, this is Auburn.
3: Hi, this is Kelsey. And short disclaimer, I do not watch scary movies or TV shows.
0: Hi, this is Brian.
3: This is Arlene.
0: Sally Sparrow enters an old abandoned house on a stormy night. She begins taking pictures when she notices writing behind some torn wallpaper. She tears at the paper and reveals the word beware. She continues tearing down the paper to reveal a message addressed to her from someone called the doctor, telling her to beware of the weeping angel and to duck. Now, as she does, a rock hurtles through the window at the place her head was seconds ago. She turns to see who threw the rock, but only sees a statue of a weeping angel.
2: It was a dark and stormy night. It was a great opening to this episode. And I love that they actually have the rain. So many shows hide the rain. All the actors are underneath covers, and so they're filming at night, because they're in the I night scene, and room. the rain is in the background you can see. So it's like pouring, yeah. but nobody's wet, because they're, uh, you know, hiding the rain. And this, they're just... Embrace it.
4: it. Embrace it. I think this was on purpose because it's a story
2: point later.
3: Did you mention this is a Dr. Light episode? Not, Not yet. yet. Okay. But you just did. <laughs> oh,
2: okay. And it does feel more like a movie way it's shot.
5: Well, and and as we go further into this episode, the frighteningness of it and the scariness of it is very cinematic. It's not, you know, whiz bang uh, light and effects and graphics. It's very in the camera, like, wow, very real, very scary.
2: And it's not shot for commercial placement. You know, they have the different scenes and then they know they're gonna cut to a commercial. So either there's Mm -hmm. a cliffhanger kind Mm -hmm. of thing or something happens. And, you know, this one is shown in Britain together, but here in America, there's always going to be commercials placed, and so they kind of have a little lull when you're going to go to a commercial. This doesn't feel like it has it. It's like, it is shot as one piece.
4: Mm-hmm. I, I liked uh, earlier uh, when she was revealing behind the wallpaper um, how it Kind of got through it all quickly, mm-hmm. and, and it was just the right amount of information that was weird. And um, how, how did how did that sequence end? Did, did, did there was a knock at the door, or uh, not yet? Or she, she
1: just gets the away. rock
4: gets thrown, or, yeah, the rock, or yeah. the oh, pottery because right. it's the broken in angel. two, so it's like pottery. It'd so who do we think threw the rock or the angel? Football? The angel. Angel.
0: Uh, Stephen Moffat confirmed that the Weeping Angel is what threw the rock.
4: I guess I don't really mm-hmm. don't understand why. Don't think about it
1: too much.
2: Okay, <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing. We- They're trying to knock her out so she doesn't
1: see. It, this is one of the things that's fantastic. Don't go too into gotcha. it. Gotcha. Because this is this teaser is. You get to the end of this teaser, you have no idea where this episode is going. Right. to go. In
6: fact,
4: rewatch. I've I've seen this episode a number of times, but I hadn't seen it in a while, and even I was like. Uh, what the what? Yeah, like I couldn't quite remember exactly how she finds out this, yeah. that, and the other. I've totally forgot about her roommate, which is pretty much the plot of the show. <laughs> it's <laughs> but not, not it... a roommate. Oh, her friend. Right.
3: Sorry. They're not roommates? No. no. She just showed up at she her has friend's a key, house? Cause Cause isn't that weird? They're close. They're just besties. Yeah. Because
2: you know, she's calling her, and she goes, yeah. I'm not coming over to your place at one o'clock in the morning. She goes, no, I'm in the kitchen. Come uh, on down. Okay. And that's when she said, uh-oh, my brother's here. <laughs> have Got you met him? It. No. You're about to. <laughs> okay.
1: The next day, she returns to the house with her friend Kathy Nightingale. She shows Kathy the writing and the weeping angel, which seems to be closer to the house. The doorbell rings, and while Kathy hides, Sally answers the door. A man has a letter for Sally Sparrow to be delivered at this precise date and time. Kathy hears a noise behind her, but sees nothing, and goes back to watching Sally and the man, unaware that the weeping angel has moved closer to her. The man tells Sally that the letter was sent by Kathy Nightingale. She asks if this is a joke and calls for Kathy, but she is nowhere to be found. He tells her that the letter was written by his grandmother who passed away 20 years ago and insists that she take it. In the letter, Kathy explains that she was somehow transported in time to 1920 and has lived a full life. Sally searches the house and finds more weeping angels, one of which has a key. She takes the key and hears the front door close. She
0: races after the man, unaware of how close the angels have gotten to her. So this is where you can't think too much about it, because why would the angel have the key? Like, just dangling there. But just dangling there for her to find it. No, because it didn't have it just there dangling for her to find it. They had it. Oh, so you have
4: an explanation for that,
0: but not the other thing? (laughs)
4: Yeah. Because um, they just had it, and they happened to freeze in that moment. But we don't know that yet in the show.
0: I just think they're smarter than that. And they wouldn't do that. They don't have do pockets. That. Exactly. <laughs> angels don't have pockets. Put it like this. In, I'm cupping my hands, for those of you who can't tell. Would they, all the angel had to do was clench its fist, and you wouldn't be able to get it out of the Same stone. Same difference. But. She, but the
2: angel was starting to, but... No, oh, I know. Was I'm on your side. Beforehand.
1: To me, it's like, it's, it's, it's good. It's
2: fine. And that's when there turned out to be more than one angel. Before now, sure. it's only been one. Now you see the other, so...
0: And I'm just saying that that's something that came up, but I just brush it away. I don't think too much about it. But I also wanted to point out there is a continuity difference between the writing on the wallpaper. So I'm passing around screenshots of when passing uh, around a printout of when Sally first is uh, in the cold open and then when she brings Kathy to see the writing. It, it's the placement is different. But that's only on repeated viewings that I notice.
1: Don't you mm-hmm. dare point out an imperfection of this episode.
2: I always thought that was it's shot right. first with the fresh writing. Then mm-hmm. they put the wallpaper on so that she could tear it off. And I think it just tore off some of the actual writing and some stayed behind on the wall because at the first part you couldn't see. It was 1969. It was 1960. Yeah, uh, yeah. It was, then at the end it was like really bold. Mm-hmm. 1969. This is the year right here. Huh. I like how uh, Kathy was calling them Sparrow and Nightingale, thinking that the those two names made a great sounding and they business. do. I think they do. Yeah. So I just thought it was cool, and also the love the line about. Um, Sally saying that she loves the old house; it makes her sad. You know, and Kathy. Well, what's good about sad? And well, it's happy for deep people. <laughs> it's a mantra I live my life by. <laughs> sad
4: is happy for deep people. I, didn't catch yeah. that. I love that. I love that. And it's, it's also awesome.
2: It's true because it is looking at the house and what you know potentially went on there. Well, you know, you basically nostalgia.
4: House. Nostalgia is happy for sad people.
2: Right.
3: I like that they that in this scene we get that piece of character information from her that Sally loves old things and. Um, you know, because they make her sad. I don't know if I myself love old things because they make me sad, but I also am someone that loves old things. I like looking at old photographs. You know, you go to like the, the, um, Flea markets, and there's always that booth that has the box of just old photographs of that oh. they just picked up from like what just an estate sale.
1: A you don't know who these sales. people are, but they all had lives and history. And then you see one picture that is you. <laughs> yeah. Had to go there, didn't you? Thanks. There's no pictures of you in the box, Josh. No, because I'm a vampire. Okay, so you're. Be- I think at this point we're kind of beginning to catch on that this might be a Doctor Light episode. Because we're like through the first act and we still haven't seen them. Um, We've heard of the doctor. We just haven't seen him. He was right. on
5: like 17 <laughs> screens.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but not yet. Oh, not no, yet? at the beginning when, yeah, when she goes, goes over into, to Kathy's apartment. Yeah. Oh, that's right. But So it's kind of like, oh, this is a Dr. Light episode. So this is an episode that they're not going to spend as much money on. I still love the fact that they went out onto location and hired an actor to be Kathy's future husband. And we see the scene of them meeting. Because if you think about it, we Mm -hmm. don't need that sequence at all. We can just read about it in the letter when she's reading the letter. This is Sally's story. It's not Kathy's story, right? So we're being told things from Sally's point of view. But we still get Kathy's point of view of being dumped back in 1920 and meeting this guy going, no, it's whole. (laughs) Why do you say it's
6: whole? It's whole.
1: (laughs) Um, And then, you know, that little scene of following. And then... It it gives it an, an emotional attachment to the letter, to the photographs, and it makes you feel better for Kathy realizing, well, we've seen this guy and he's pretty cool. And she had a happy life with him. And I actually, you know, th- we haven't, I don't know if we're going to talk about it in the summary, but when she goes and puts flowers on Kathy's grave, I looked at the thing and I'm like, wow, he died 25 years before she did. Uh-huh. And I literally got a little sad for Kathy. She spent all that time without him just because I saw this one guy sitting on a fence for a brief moment in a scene that didn't need to be there. I love that they spent the money for that and did it.
3: And the way that they cut it too, they intercut it. So we're learning what happened to Kathy at the same time as Sally's learning what happened to Kathy. Right. And the way that they intercut the two scenes past and present makes a big impact as well to us. And I I agree with you, Brian. I love that scene. Like, Mm -hmm. and what a shame if they didn't have it. What a shame
1: it would have been. I also love the read that the actress does of the letter.
0: Yes, her, le- her read is
1: great. Her read is really you, really... you feel it. You totally feel it. And just enough, too. It's not yeah. sappy or anything, but she's just... You can hear when she's happy. You can hear when she's sad.
0: And and, and I think the the assurance she's trying to give Sally is what really gets me. Because yeah. it's like, don't worry about me. I'm fine. Everything's i had a good okay. life. Yeah.
2: Also, the cinematography of that scene. Was great with him over by the bench of the tree, just walking down the hill. With the wide, the wide shot you're talking about, yeah. yeah. So it was a little more, you know, cinematic rather than a television.
4: What I think makes uh, this episode being so Doctor Light, but it's also a good example of the show is it's scenes like that that make you feel things like usually the Doctor does. So there's all these elements of the usual
0: shows that are being put in through either the characters or the writing or the editing. I don't know if you caught it, but uh, this is the first female director, I believe, in the modern series. I was going to ask. Mm. Yeah, this is the first episode to be directed by a woman after 22 years. Oh, wow. wow. The previous one was The Mark of the Ronnie.
4: And what about the cinematographer? I'm mean,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I curious. Hold on. I'm, so, I'm sorry, but have you seen The Mark of the Rani? Maybe there's a reason they didn't go back to a woman for 22 years. Don't hate me.
0: Uh, so Blink... The cinematographer is Ernest Vincennes, and he's the one that likes to use the green and the reds.
4: So he is someone that's... A regular. A regular.
0: Moffat mentions on the commentary (laughs) that he visited the the set of the house in the opening sequence. So, yeah, I think he took his son to uh, visit that set. I thought that was fun. He's not usually on set? He's a writer. He's not... They don't need to be on set. We don't let writers out. That's true. (laughs) Or editors.
5: I know Stephen Moffat wrote this one. Is this the first one of the new series that, that he's written, or... Has he written other ones? Um,
0: the Doctor Dances and The Empty Child are the first ones.
5: Okay. And he goes on to become the showrunner uh, when? Season six. Season six, With which Matt is... Matt Smith. Okay. Which is season five? Season well, five. Well,
0: if you count the specials yeah. of the season, but so if it's... you don't, then season five. Yeah,
5: season five. <laughs> which is Matt Smith With and Matt Smith. our introduction to Amy Pond as well? Yes. Yes. Correct. Okay. Oh, just, that's interesting. Just placing because... in context yes.
0: where all this happens Moffat also wrote girl in the fireplace yes right? he did okay oh, so it's,
5: oh my goodness yeah
0: he does one every season
5: in this sequence before we move on i also want to just talk a little bit when kathy is being killed by the angel um the whole sequence where we're kind of seeing kathy's point of view from one side of the door behind the door we're also seeing the angel creeping closer Mm. there's also a mirror in that room that will continue to be there like we go to this mirror shot a lot i just really liked it because it moved the perspective around a lot with uh, the camera angles and the editing but i felt like i always knew where i was in geometry to like everybody else which can be really difficult when you're you know you're playing with so many different directions of points of view but you always knew where your main characters were and also where that angel was like creeping from outside to behind the door and everything that's very
0: good because uh this is a new location to us as the viewer we've never been to this house where if this was shot let's say in the tardis console we'd know exactly the geography of that console plus it is very
1: dark interesting that you would say that though because frank and i were talking last night and you didn't like that sequence no i love that sequence but i always thought the room
0: was upstairs
1: Oh, interesting! Yeah,
0: I'm totally wrong. The first completely time, completely. First time 100. I watched it, yes, I did too. And then repeated viewings, yeah. You now there upstairs. is a moment.
1: There is a moment after you know when she's looking for Kathy right. that she runs upstairs. But it's after she looks in the room. But for some reason, my brain never caught on to. I, I just always thought, and 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 it was like if somebody had said to me, I'm like, well, you know, she runs upstairs to find Kathy. But Kathy's not there, but that isn't the room. And Frank was like, well, yeah, the garden's not going to be outside a second story. And it's like, huh. Interesting. Yeah, okay. And then all of a sudden, it just kind of like all clicked into place. Interesting.
3: Was that because in the cold open we see Sally walk around the house? For yeah, a while, I think so. And she goes upstairs. Yes, and she... I think it is.
1: But it I, just... in the
4: opening sequence or whenever when we first see her in there, there's a lot of time cut it, mm-hmm. right?
6: Ju- well, jumping around cuts.
4: stuff.
1: And it is that that Kathy is in the room, so she can't directly see the front door. It's through the mirror, right? Right. Okay. What I
2: want to know is, did Kathy tell her grandson what was in the letter, or is he just like fulfilling her last rites or her last wishes? I
1: want to know why she
2: told him to. When you deliver the letter, deliver it in the most creepy yeah.
1: fashion <laughs> and really make it spooky and scare the dickens out of her because <laughs> I was told to give it to you.
0: Again, it's all about the atmosphere and not the details that you well, I wanted him to, I wanted it
1: to be like, Oh, you're here.
3: I guess I lost yeah. the
0: bet. Right. From <laughs> Back <laughs> to the Future. It's
3: like they're they're both scared. Yeah. <laughs> and so his delivery is scary to her yeah. but he's also freaked out. And like so Yes I would Yeah.
1: Guess. I think it's acting towards the tone of the Yes. Piece. absolutely. Yeah. Oh and yeah. And I almost think maybe he was totally
4: expecting nobody to be here. Like he's like, I guess I'm gonna I'm gonna do what I told my grandma, I made a promise, I'm gonna go do it and he knocks on the door and she's there. Yeah. Like he's probably really freaked. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. oh my god, this actually is something happening. So but there should be another episode from his point of view.
2: Talk about tone! I loved the ending of this scene where the angels are looking at the window. I do too. Oh, yeah. That's such a great uh, tone yeah. of freakiness. Yes, you know?
3: so freaky. The 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 scene in the attic, or I'm calling it, the, I call it the attic. Second with, story. With all three angels, and then the fourth one appears at the window. So I guess they, yeah. I don't yeah. Know. Yeah. She, yeah. No, it's it's good. And did you guys notice like when Sally there's a there's a shot where you can see all four angels the one with the key is in the foreground the maybe you can only see three you see the one in the window the fourth one and then a third one and then as sally moves past the second angel oh, it, it changes. changes oh yes yeah, yeah. And there's oh, also, no. you see a
1: shadow behind Sally's head. Oh, does it really? I yeah, didn't Yeah, that's what we that. were saying. You know, she doesn't realize how close, because an angel is actually reaching for her as she walks out. I did notice that.
5: So I think here where we see the angels in the window, uh, it really made me think that the ratio of fun on set to scariness in the final product was probably this is probably one like the the highest episodes of that ratio just because i think it would be so fun to be on set with all of these angel like i don't know if they were mannequins or if they were actors portraying
0: part of them were people in wardrobe they um they did a special treatment to the fabric to make it look like it wasn't flowing
5: Okay. But I just think it would be so much fun to be there with all these people pretending probably to be as still as possible, you know, and then to see what the final product is on screen is so much scarier than I'm sure it was on set cuz if you think about it you're shooting windows with like these these mannequins like things in the windows like it's pretty silly to yeah. like
6: <laughs> yeah, pan up oh there's one
5: pan over oh there's another <laughs> one but in the in the actual like and the camera
1: cameraman's going ooh yeah <laughs> yeah
5: but the actual product it, 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 it definitely works, works.
0: Yeah. yeah
3: okay so they weren't props they were people mm-hmm. they were actors some of them were and, and real, the makeup's crazy. really good isn't it mm-hmm. well that is the, crazy.
4: the faces were probably masks and then, yeah you know it was probably actors when they had to keep changing poses and stuff yeah. like
0: that uh we're, we haven't talked about the uh sound design but the sound design really adds to the tone of this creepy factor going through like you get that that sound psycho. of it sounds like bugs
1: but it's psycho music i get a psycho reference mm-hmm. yeah the angels theme is really really relentless
0: in the letter, Kathy asks Sally to tell her brother Larry what has happened. Sally goes to the DVD store where he works and Larry is in the back watching a DVD containing an easter egg video of the doctor. It contains only the doctor's half of a conversation. This same easter egg is on 17 totally unrelated DVDs. Larry has been trying to figure out the other half of the conversation and has written down the doctor's portion. He leaves to get her a copy of the list of DVDs, and the video begins again. Sally makes a comment, and the doctor answers. She says it is like he can hear her, and the doctor replies that he can hear her. She freaks and pauses the DVD as Larry returns with the list.
4: I gotta say, I also like the guy
0: who's watching the shop up front. Ugh, oh, he's like, Stop. Wait, <laughs> and, and it's literally
1: just a guy walk or a woman walking into a door. Yeah, he needs to see the person yes. walk into a door,
0: and he's like, "Okay, what do you need?" <laughs> it's so typical of what you think of, like the Simpsons comic book guy. This is yeah. a yeah. video store rental guy, and kids, video
1: store rental store video <laughs> rental stores are where people used to go what to see rent this, their movies. This episode, two thousand seven, two thousand seven, yeah. yeah
4: still some around, but it was obvious that that store was kind of a, a used yeah, yeah. Yeah. specialty, yeah. specialty yeah. store, yeah.
2: It does explain how come there are so many TVs in Kathy's apartment. You know, Larry right. working there. It was like, why does she have so many different screens <laughs> oh. to watch all the different versions of The Doctor on this? It always I'm bugged just, me. It, it always made me jealous. It. That place. So I'm thinking anybody who turns in their VCRs or DVDs to get fixed, he's taken home to watch all these different, you know, 17 different DVDs. It's the perks of working at a
0: rental store.
2: (laughs) And I really liked how um, Sally had, when they met again, Larry's, Do I know you? She was, It's going (laughs) to come to you. Just wait. (laughs) And then he gets the embarrassment of being naked in front of her in Kathy's apartment. I like how Sally.
1: Kind of like you get the impression that Sally in an ordinary life on an ordinary day would be very confident. Yeah. yes. You know, she looks at the gravestone of Kathy and says, you lied about your age, you cow. I mean, <laughs> she's very secure. And so it's nice to see a character like that being thrown off by this weird doctor-related mm. stuff.
4: Well, what's great about her, too, is from the frame one of the show, she's always... Figuring something out, she's never thrown by what's happening.
1: Yeah, and she's not necessarily completely accepting everything that's going right. on, but she's curious enough to figure out.
4: She's like she's she's overly rational, yeah. but she knows something's up. Yes, you know, it's and um- she
1: is the person that goes into. Empty, houses. haunted-looking houses <laughs> yes. in the middle of a storm.
2: Right, and that same guy at the beginning, uh, the register, yes. is just talking to the TV, tell, you know, saying, "You stupid woman, why don't you go to the police? Why do they never go to the police?" And that's what right. Sally hears, going, "Yeah, that's my next place." <laughs> it's well, like, what, I love that little going. Yeah, that is good advice. Idea that little
4: entertainment. Well, not only is that a little device to get her to go do that, but it's also this motif of talking to the TV in the whole episode. Right. No, oh, that's a good oh. point. Right.
1: Uh, also, this is our first whip wobbly That's wimey. right. They're like a, a, a Rory and Amy precursor.
3: <gasps> I was going to say so. that.
1: Sally decides to go to the police, and while at the station, she sees two weeping angels on a building across the street. She blinks, and the statues are no longer there. Detective Billy Shipton says Kathy is not the first to go missing at the house. He shows her a parking lot of cars that were abandoned at the house over the last two years, with no further trace of the owners. Among the cars is an old, locked, blue police box. Billy asks her out. But Sally says no. Still, she gives him her phone number and leaves. He turns around to see a group of weeping angels surrounding the TARDIS. As he looks over one of the angels, he blinks. Billy, because you're hot, life is short.
7: (laughs) I'm like, oh, that would have gotten me right away. I know. (laughs) I just
1: just turned to Frank and I'm like, sorry, I'd be great.
4: Maybe that's why I'm single, because when you said that, I was like, oh my God. No, you're like,
7: but you have to be very cute to All say it right. too yes that could be
1: very creepy <laughs> <laughs> but, but Billy delivers it freaking perfectly
6: yeah, yeah I'd
7: be like okay we're going accent. for a drink right <laughs> yeah cause it is like
1: if you said cause so you so could, if I said it like uh, let's not uh, it's light because, and fun uh, let's do this in the short episode and
6: you're hot
7: that's not sexy. you got your work cut out
0: <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna be work fun stuff out. work cut out I okay. see what you did there <laughs> <laughs>
1: Because he comes, okay, let's just say Because he, for me, at least, he comes across as, yes, he does say something that could potentially be creepy, but it's not in his delivery, because you also get, if she flat out said no, okay. Moving on. He's moving yeah. on. Oh, yeah. He's not going to like stalk her. No, I get yeah, it. No, it's just, but it. But,
0: yeah. The scene where uh, Sally is looking out the window as it's raining and sees the two angels on the opposite side of the street. Uh, I remember my nephew showing this to him, and he was like... They're gone. Where'd they go? <laughs> and to see that <laughs> reaction and I guess enthusiasm and just like wonder and somebody seeing that for the first time is, is really fun. How old was he when he saw that? At the time, he was probably eight or 9 uh-huh. That was the first time we saw in the show the slow motion
4: zoom. uh, Yeah, to me, that's a bit heavy-handed. Into the eye? I I think you needed it in that moment. I think if it was too casual... I was
3: going to say, I think you needed it because when Billy blinks, you know what's coming.
4: Yeah,
1: I think you're right, Kelsey.
4: Zoom in.
3: Yeah, we need it because then when the camera slowly zooms in on Billy, you're thinking, don't blink,
1: don't blink. I don't mind the zoom. I mind the slow blink. I wish it zoomed in, and we're zooming in in slow motion, and then her it's like... And it's taking me a second and a half to close my eyelids.
7: You know, I liked it because it's for the dense people who really don't pay attention. <laughs> it's yeah, that. true, true. <laughs> and I feel that it's the whole, oh. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you know what? Because
4: if it was just a regular blink, no one people would just think it was a Zoom. It's also for kids. It's for yeah, kids, filling it up for kids. It <laughs> yeah. also is in in, in, in conjunction with that. how slow time moves for the angels.
1: This was also the moment that I noticed with Sally. Sally is wearing a long brown coat. And a long, multicolored scarf Mm. tied close around her neck and dangling down. Mm.
2: They are making
1: her the doctor.
2: At the beginning, you know, her seeing the old house and just the idea of who lived there, what their lives were like, what the potential was like. Mm-hmm. And then here, don't look at me, don't look at me. It kind of parallels the angels. Well, that. it's
4: interesting because she likes old things and then she gets this bunch of photos, which are these old photos of this old person's life. And then what happens a few scenes later is another old person.
1: Sugar daddy. Yes. <laughs> I,
3: I just realized that the house is empty because the angels killed the owners. The
1: angels have been
4: there yep. a long time.
2: Because they oh. say that all the cars show
0: up.
4: Oh, that's right. All the cars show all... up. So they've been killing people. They've been feeding off their time, years, which right. mm-hmm. find out later. Right.
0: Stephen Moffat does mention in the commentary that in his version of this world that he's written, that missing people are people who have slept near the Weeping Angels. Mm. You know, you see missing child posters and things. They ran away, and then they slept near a Weeping Angel, and they got taken.
2: I noticed on um, Shipton's jacket, Billy's jacket, p- he had, had a patch, patch yeah. that looked like a sparrow. Mm-hmm. To me, oh, that's cool. <laughs> it was a bird. It was like, oh, I got a sparrow there. <laughs> well, don't like uh, sparrow have a meaning in? It's a dove. Sparrow, sparrow also God there.
7: Keeps his eye on a sparrow.
2: With that sparrow and nightingale, I, I thought, thought that's Beretta. Were... I thought so too. <laughs> I'm like that's keep a eye on the sparrow. That's probably with the singing the song. <laughs> oh,
1: but he has a
4: cockatoo Beretta does, he doesn't he? Why would he be keeping his eye on the sparrow?
7: It's in Matthew five. <laughs>
0: <so>. <laughs> <laughs>
7: that's oh, funny. Oh, co- Josh, we're showing around. Was, was Beretta's
4: cockatoo
0: named Matthew? It's the fifth Matthew. <laughs> All right, moving on. Because
1: <laughs> because he's right, there is a bird motif going yes. on. Yes, they don't call Larry. Call, he's being called
4: Lawrence at one point. Lawrence Nightingale, Florence wow. Nightingale. Florence.
1: Okay.
3: The nurse. Yeah.
7: <laughs> Do
4: you deserve another Florence Nightingale?
7: <laughs> In the Sermon on the Mount, they people use sparrow as the description for if God could keep taking watch over like the smallest of creatures, like the most humblest, like sparrows are not something that people are prized possessions or like pigeons to us, then how can God not watch over you? So that's the whole idea that if the... the God's eyes on a sparrow, God's watching over me as well.
1: Oh, eyes, watching, there you go. Yep. Oh, there. So a sparrow is an ordinary oh. bird? Mm-hmm. There it is. There's ordinary ordinary people, mm-hmm. yeah, ordinary. So it's Sally definitely or- it's using... Sally is an ordinary person. Mm-hmm. Thank you.
7: Thank you for all the biblical references. (laughs) I like
0: it. This has been God Talk. Gavin with God. (laughs) (laughs) Billy is transported to 1969, where he is found by Martha and the doctor. The weeping angels zap people back in time and feed off the potential energy of what would have been. The doctor says they are all stuck there without his TARDIS. He tells Billy to give Sally a message, but it will take decades until he can deliver it. In the present, Sally receives a phone call from Billy asking her to come visit him in the hospital.
2: I like that she remembered right away, you know, she's putting her hands in her pocket and then finds the key. And remember, Billy said, it's just a plain lock, but they can't get into it. So she runs back just, what, a minute later, and Billy's already Mm -hmm. gone, and the angels are gone, and the TARDIS is gone. You know, she runs back. What just happened? And then she gets a phone call. Well, okay, Billy, where are you? You're in the hospital. What? (laughs) You know, (laughs) For her point of view. No time has passed. Yeah, it's been a
4: minute or so. This is a great... Just time travel episode
1: in Mm -hmm. general. I like the quick throwaway line that the doctor says to Billy, you were touched by the same angel that we were, Mm -hmm. which is why you're in the same year. But Kathy oh. was jumped back to 1920. Oh. So it's like, isn't it lucky Billy got zapped to the same place as the so Dr. It was Martha? the same angel that's and, the thing. Yeah, so the throwaway line was he was touched by the same angel. Uh, the CBS television series. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so that angel has the same amount of power to throw you back. So it's
2: like,
0: okay. Or like the same setting. Yeah, yeah. that's a
2: good rationalization. So each angel has a certain time. Yes. Time potency that, maybe? That well, also helps. Time helped. frequency. I like that. Mm-hmm. Huh. This also shows that the Doctor and Martha have gone on a lot more yes. adventures. Because they've I been lo- to the moon landing four times and seen four different points yeah. of view. They
4: like, refer to uh, probably a dozen different things in in this episode. It really gives you a sense that Martha's more of a uh, in-depth companion than
2: we've seen screen time. Mm-hmm. And they've done it with the Doctor and Rose also. Right. So, we do see that there
0: are more adventures than, than just what's screen time. i really
2: like yeah. when they do that
1: i do too
0: billy makes a reference to the police box and he's like but the windows are wrong yes he and, does and then so that goes to the reference that the tardis for every doctor is different mm-hmm. it's just always changing even though it's supposed to be the same thing
1: billy is now an old man who is dying he gives her the doctor's message to look at the list billy says that in 1969 He went into publishing and then video publishing. He put the Easter egg on those 17 DVDs. He put the Easter egg on those 17 DVDs and asks if she knows what they have in common. The doctor told him that the night he gives Sally the message is the night that he will die. The thought of seeing her again has given him the strength to hold on this long, but now it's his time. She sits with him until the end. I love this scene. Yeah,
4: was, that's,
0: that that line, "I have until the rain stops,", stops. and then
4: it cuts to the rain that stopped, and you think he may be in the bed, yeah. but it was really he's already out of the bed. Just, yep. just a lot of time cuts, you yes. know, and jump
1: cuts where, and that's cinematic.
4: Yeah,
0: yeah, it's it's shot really nice, and I like when editing makes the viewer think. Well, that scene, to me, it says the f- filmmakers, but the showmakers, the people, the production guys, are saying that the audience is intelligent, and so we can show them this space and let them fill in the gap. Right,
4: maybe it's a coincidence that there is stuff happening inside of time that we don't see, just like the angels moving. Mm-hmm. Um, how did they know what DVDs Sally has? Wait till the end. Yeah, it's out (laughs) there. It's explained later. No, but... (laughs) Yes, uh, Yes. it's explained later. All right.
2: I'm just so sad that Billy never knew what the correlation was, why he had to put the Easter egg on those particular 17 DVDs. And he's okay with it. He's come to terms with the doctor telling him, you're never going to know what the correlation Mm. is. You just need to put it on these. I still feel sorry for him not being able to know. He could, but timey-wimey,
1: he didn't. So he couldn't know. The doctor couldn't tell him because Billy didn't know.
2: Still sad.
7: It is still <laughs> sad, yeah. But I love how they follow their own rules on time travel, which yes. many shows do not. And it made me super excited that they were able to wrap everything up in this wonderful, circular, timey whiny combobulated weirdness of time travel. And I just loved it. This
1: episode must have been a bear to write. I don't know how he wrote this and to make it work out so well. I mean, every scene has its own... Like, purpose. Yes, Mm -hmm. but, like, every scene refers to things that haven't happened yet or happened earlier on, and now we're getting the the, the answer to a question we didn't even know was a question. I mean, Mm. it's just, this is written so very well.
4: It's interesting, too, that now here's another person from the past giving her a message just like the, the the grandson yeah yeah
1: and um and i love the 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 callback i am old and you are hot yes
3: mm-hmm.
4: yeah
1: you know it's, it's just, time, it's, just, it's, time yeah. is long yeah
3: our life is long and you are hot
1: that act, that actor is so good that actor uh, both, is just so both. good both,
3: both mm-hmm. actors are so good at no i know the same like person. sally
1: throughout the whole thing but this gentleman no, the, the, has no, the both two billies both, both two. billies yes yeah both mm-hmm. billies
2: yeah. Yeah. yeah it's almost like there's only one wait i'm
1: not into it so much yeah me too originally has a type
0: <laughs> uh, originally, they were gonna put younger Billy in old yeah, makeup, yeah, I'm and oh, I'm glad so glad that. that they picked somebody who had yeah. like the experience of yeah. acting to act, you know, mm-hmm. old and deliver this with such conviction. Yeah. Since we're talking about acting, we should
4: bring up that uh, the girl who plays Sally is uh, Carrie Mulligan, the Oscar
0: win- she won, right?
3: She did win she a, something for this, winner. right? Role no. no no for this role well, she might have oh, won for this uh, but she BAFTA. won an Oscar
0: oh. she- so Carrie Mulligan received the Constellation Award for Best Female Performance in a 2007 science fiction television episode well that's for this episode yeah she also she was nominated for an Oscar in her perf- in her performance in Uneducation the BAFTA she won for Uneducation
5: ah uh, okay yeah I think in the US she's played roles opposite like um ryan gosling and drive right mm-hmm. that yeah. was her and then
0: shia labeouf in um the wall street sequel oh right and then she dated child LaBeouf for a while oh dear oh. Oh. another doctor who connection she was in never let me go with andrew garfield mm. and uh keira knightley was also in that movie it's pretty It's mm. an interesting movie hmm. not a lot of people like it i, I enjoy it and then since we brought up Billy earlier, young Billy is played by Michael O'Bara. And older Billy is played by Louis Mahoney. And he has appeared in Frontier in Space with the Third Doctor and Planet of Evil with the Fourth Doctor.
2: That's nice. I like when they bring back uh, actors from the classic, classic series. series. Yeah.
5: One right. thing uh, also while we're talking about this scene that I just realized just thinking back about it is the, the starkness of the casting and that might go to like the monetary aspects of the episode but like at the hospital we don't see nurses we don't see any
4: extras yeah. at the
5: police station there's there uh, there's any, another detective the, she talks to probably has
4: to do with something like with being a doctor light episode they didn't need them it, no you, no it definitely it adds to the mood
5: to yeah add to the mood and to like allow the story and the characters that we do know to really shine But I I just didn't realize till now, like, wow, there's like nobody else but people who have lines, like even at the video store, the guy is like pivotal with like, go to the police station, like, and he could have just been a throwaway character.
0: I mean, this could be coincidental, but I think it allows us to focus on what's going on. Like, the emotions are so powerful. We yeah. don't need background extras to remind us oh, we're yeah. in a hospital. We're in a no, police station. No, I like it. And yeah. I think yeah.
5: if it was for budget reasons, then they embraced it. It wouldn't yes. be as creepy. wouldn't be as yeah. spooky. Oh,
0: that's also a good thing. It's to that horror factor. Like, you're, you're alone. Mm-hmm. That's it. Nobody can help you.
4: There is a big motif of looking at things that represent people. Like, look, looking at the statues, looking at photography, looking at video. This whole episode is With that, yeah, we look at
5: like the mirror, even um, in the mirror, looking at things, but not looking at them, looking at representations of or through filters, uh,
4: reading the the, what he wrote down later on. We'll find out in the list. It's all about looking at the whole episode revolves
0: around looking at things, not just the angels. Mm -hmm. Later, Sally realizes that the list contains only the DVDs that she owns. She calls Larry to bring a DVD player and meet at the old house. Larry brought two discs with him. He puts one in the machine and slips the other into his sweatshirt pocket. Watching it on a laptop, Sally begins a conversation with the recorded doctor while Larry writes down her part. The doctor has a future copy of the transcript Larry is currently writing but is now stuck in the past. The angels have the blue box. They are assassins that when seen turn to stone as a defense. They are very fast and can remove you from time in the blink of an eye. They are after the TARDIS so they can live forever. She needs to send the TARDIS back to the doctor. He tells her that is where the transcript ends, which means the angels are coming for Sally.
3: <gasps>
4: I think that's the most brilliant thing I've ever seen on TV.
2: Yeah. <laughs> no,
3: that, that whole scene is brilliant. Yeah, One is of amazing. the best yeah. scenes in the whole series.
0: And, oh yeah. And it's also great how that scene also works with the earlier scene, but it's yes. different conversation. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yes. great. I hey, love... Look to the left. Never understood that part.
0: I think it's a political statement. It's a statement. political statement. <laughs> <laughs> It should be a mantra. Um, the although, angels have the blue box. i got t t-shirt with that on it. Uh, we're looking at t-shirts right now? If we can't <laughs> tell. Uh,
4: I know they took liberties for, for the drama of the scene, but there is a point where he stops writing and she's still talking.
7: He writes shorthand, so he That's wrote true. it really quick. Okay.
0: The shorthand he's writing is known as Pittman, and Pitman is the shorthand reportedly used in the movie version of The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, and it's a stand-in for the written language of Vogon. Oh, really? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a nice little... Tidbit. Little meta... Kind of sci-fi referency thing. I like that they
7: did reference that he was writing shorthand because yeah. when I, when they pan over, I looked at it. I was like, "Oh, that's shorthand." Yeah, yeah. Me too. And I'm like, yeah. "How does he know shorthand?" <laughs>
0: <laughs> Just a throwaway line.
7: Yeah,
5: but I think that was kind of the start, or maybe not the start, but at least that added to Sally's. Like being impressed with him. At least that's how I took her line. He's and smarter you know, Shorthand, than like him. yeah, yeah you, it was yeah. saying there was more depth to his there character than she saw. Because I, I mean, she's still getting over Billy, I guess, but <laughs> didn't
6: take too long.
0: I, I love this remark. You only have 17 DVDs. Yes. yes. <laughs> a guy that works in a DVD store would say something like that. <laughs> I would say something like that. <laughs> Again, they have an
2: enemy or monster who is as old as the universe. So that's another for this whole Martha season of being a little more for kids and then these enemies. I mean even the you know even that one with the rachnos and the witches from Shakespeare and this and there's the, uh, the Gridlock
0: Macra. Yeah. Oh yeah, the Macra.
2: This season seems to be dealing with a lot of old um, beings, entities. Beginning of time entities. They're cool, but it's like they're from the beginning of time, then where did they send people back to before? Yeah, how time? did they get
1: how did they start?
2: It was a rough beginning. It was a lot <laughs> of famine. <laughs> <laughs> Yesterday.
3: <laughs> Having not had being someone who doesn't do well with scary. Like I, I stay away from I've never seen any of the Scream movies. I've seen clips and that's enough for me. You know, this was the first doctor who television show that made, or sorry, this is the doc, the first doctor who episode that made me scream out loud. (laughs) Like I probably the first and only time until recently that I watched this episode, I probably watched it with my eyes closed.
1: (laughs) I always had a a, kind of sort of the opposite. Like if, if I'm watching like a nightmare on Elm street, when they're walking around the furnace room, and they don't know where he is, I'm terrified. Yeah. The instant he jumps out and you can see him, I'm like, okay, I'm good. You can fight him because I know where you are.
2: I mean, to kill you by letting you live to death is a unique <laughs> That's a great touch, you know, touch. And I think it's great to have this character, this villain that is of the abstract. But then the potential is still there because like, yeah. so Kathy lived her whole life, and so did Billy. They lived a whole life. They got married. They had other kids that would not have been there they didn't go back. So it's just one of those, by feeding, are you then allowing yourself to feed more because now those people have a whole different potential.
7: But it was supposed to be, because Kathy would have never disappeared if her grandchild would have never knocked on the door. So like, this is all stuff that were supposed to happen. Right. It's not like
1: they're changing history. Yeah. This is just what history does.
7: Yeah, and this is what history has been and will be. And it's just, time isn't linear the way we think it. Is. They're
4: not creating right. new timelines. This, is, They're actually it's all within them. It cat...
1: It's still a quantum notion though because it is right. still like Schrodinger's cat. You know, Is the cat alive or dead? Well, we don't know until something happens. The the angels, are they alive or are they stone? Well, if someone's looking at them, they're stone. Not looking at it, they're nothing. The person lives out their normal life and that's their potential. And the angels rob them of that
2: potential by throwing them into the past. That's and when why are... I
7: love this episode yes. so much. <laughs> it's so good! <laughs> did,
2: did cat Kathy's saying, no, look for a picture. Sally needs to have identification because that's the time she needs to look and find out where the angel is to get her. Why didn't so like, yeah, Kathy actually like, sets up the stalling. See that Argument could be made. What do you mean? Wow. That when Kathy wrote the letter, she told her grandson to ask for identification. What she doesn't need to do because Kathy already knows that that
1: is going to be yeah. Sally opening the door. Right. But she says, ask for identification to prove that that's really Sally because she needs time for the angel to get to her and throw her back in time. Oh. Kathy could also remember going, oh yeah, I also. Heard him say, "I need
0: identification."
1: Mm-hmm. So I need to oh, tell him right. to look for identification.
0: It, it makes me wonder if the angels are actually doing—they're doing what they're supposed to do—and they're not bad guys. Now that, that we were discussing it, they
4: look scary. That's just how they eat. That's,
3: yeah, yeah, that's they're just, they just eating. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Why do they have sharp teeth if they don't
2: actually eat anyone? Potential yeah. energy is rough. <laughs> don't judge them. That's how they were drawn.
7: <laughs> it's because they're just ugly.
2: Okay, <laughs> that's what happens when you're born near the beginning of the universe.
0: You have got, got sharp got teeth.
2: And as we'll later find out,
4: at the end yeah, of the, the end universe, of the
7: series.
4: Series.
5: it's a circle.
0: That's right. It makes me think that there's a menu, like, oh, <laughs> Kathy Nightingale, <laughs> Billy Shipton. Which one will I have today? <laughs> Both she and Larry
1: turn to see a snarling angel only a few feet from them. The angels have locked them inside the house, so Larry keeps his eye on one angel, while Sally looks for a way out. Larry turns his head for a second, and the angel is now inches from him. He backs out of the room and meets Sally in the cellar. The weeping angels have moved the TARDIS to the cellar, and Sally and Larry make their way to the TARDIS door. All four angels surround them and cause the lights to flicker. Every time they flicker, the angels inch closer. Sally and Larry barely make it into the TARDIS. Best
0: use of darkness.
1: <laughs>
4: yeah. It's, it's really great how they, mostly Sally, but both of them are figuring everything out as it happens. They're not dumb, Scooby Doo y. Uh, like, I, I don't get what's going on. Why? why, why let's go in that room. Uh, like, everything makes sense. They're figuring it all out. And, and, and so every piece of a scene is leading us to the next piece.
7: I watched this episode with someone who's never seen Doctor Who before. And she looks over to me as this is all happening. She's like, I really want to blink, but I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's when you remember to wink
2: and wink. Yeah. To go
4: back and forth between
2: your eyes. Yeah, why
4: didn't they just do that? That would
0: That's funny you mention that because Moffat goes, yeah, that's the answer that people give me. But you tried doing that in a moment of stress and you can't do it.
2: Yes, I wondered about that too. Cover <laughs> See, it and blink. So
7: like covering one eye would want would make you want to blink both eyes. Yes.
2: But I love the lighting in the scene from the beginning all the way to when the, they somehow manipulate the light to go off. But yeah. close up on Larry's face, his eyes the pupil it's so big so it's got to be low light but that makes him look so intense and terrified
7: i wonder how many takes it had to do with him not being not blinking at all during those scenes
3: because when you tell me not to blink all i want to do is blink like that's really hard to like not blink
2: they never explain what they're doing to the light no i wish they did but that's one of those you just got to go with it because it's part of the feel and the theme of it
5: Oh, Kelsey, you missed one of your favorite lines.
3: Yeah, she. so she goes down in the basement, right? And then um, Larry can't stay in the room alone anymore. So he backs out slowly and then runs down. And then after they um, oh. they switch paths, she turns around and there's your one saying like <laughs> there's I was taking the angel care of these from three. upstairs, yeah.
0: I think what's funny here is that you have the usual horror movie trope of either going down into the basement where there's no exit or going upstairs where there's no exit. But this time because the TARDIS is in there, it makes it acceptable.
2: But she had a great reason for going down into the cellar. They locked the front door no, and back door, and in the old houses they would have another right. way
0: to get out. No, and I understand that, but I'm just saying it's a typical horror trope that where this one makes it acceptable that they go down into the basement a hologram of the doctor appears and recognizes that the disc that larry is carrying contains coordinates for one journey while the angels try to break into the tardis sally and larry place the disc in a slot and the tardis disappears leaving them huddled on the floor of the cellar with the tardis gone the angels are in each other's line of sight turning themselves into stone
3: yeah, I just want to say one more thing about like this scene in conjunction with the earlier scene like these two scenes is like the only thing for years that I remembered about this episode. You know, like to rewatching it for the first time in like five years for this podcast, I was like, oh, I I didn't remember this. I didn't remember this. Your eyes because, were closed. <laughs> <laughs> well, because of the, the the just how scary these last these two moments are. That's all I remembered from this episode.
2: There's a critical plot point that they needed to do. And that was the they needed to bring the disc into the TARDIS. Right. And they could do that so much where it's like, Why are they holding onto this disc? But he's explaining, which I think a lot of us Kind of geeks would mm-hmm. is well this disc has better sound well this disc has a better <laughs> video this one's you know we would do that and so we would bring multiple discs just to go well which one did you want to watch you know once you put the disc in the one that had the better uh, audio the other disc he had he just put into a sweatshirt which a lot of times you yeah, wouldn't think about. The it was just the time. what do you do with it you just put it in there's but a, that's a reason, the reason why the disc, disc is there it this needed is... to get into the TARDIS and I think with they a really disc. did it well with
5: in this sequence like uh, with the strobing of the angels moving in closer is really good but i really like the tardis getting rocked back and forth Mm -hmm. like that's that's really cool. Not so much the inside, but the outside, yeah. like the the continuing of the strobe and the yeah, angels yeah. going like to the right and to the left. Like that's just really neat. Like I think that shot was excellently executed.
4: And I also got a, a real thrill out of them going into the TARDIS. No one's inviting them in. No one told them to go in. They go in. They're a little taken by that it's bigger on the inside. They don't have time to talk about it. It's just. <laughs> but for people who have who are fans, it carries a lot of stuff with it. When you do go into the TARDIS you're carrying a lot of all your knowledge of that with it and it has a lot more to it
1: you're talking about terrifying moments the first time you watch this and the TARDIS is disappearing and they're not and going they're not going. Yeah. which we've I don't know if we've ever seen that before I, we haven't in the modern show but it's like You're leaving them. But how can you be leaving them? And now that's terrifying. Mm -hmm. Yes. And then, you know, it's like when you think about it later, it's like, yes, he has to leave them behind so that we can wrap the circle up. You know, they can't go back to 1969. And then the doctor, you know, it's like she has to wonder and write everything down and all that kind of stuff. And that scene when they're like in the center of the room huddled by the console and the angel it's just starts appearing like right over them. Wibbly wobbly. I mean, it's just, oh, it's just so terrifying. It's creepy.
3: I do have the impression until just recently... Um, re-watching it confirmed the, the impression, but you ha- this episode leaves you the impression that our main characters, Sally and Larry, were on their own. Like, yes, yeah. the Doctor talks to them through a pre-recorded thing, but they're on their own, and the TARDIS leaves them. And I think that the, that the moment that you're talking about, Brian, is what left that impression on me, that, like, no, in this episode, the Doctor doesn't come in like he does at the end of Mon- Love and Monsters. Like, the Doctor... Tr- saves them by tricking the monsters, but they're left on their own. And like this whole episode, they're on their own.
2: On repeat viewing, one thing bugs me just a bit, not hugely, they both huddle and look down. It's like after all they've just been through. No, look at the angels. But I can also understand just the terror of it. It's like oh, they've given up at that point. But also when you're when you're huddled
1: down at the end and you you see that the angels are stoned because they're caught in each other's sight line. Don't stand up and block block. an angel's view. I thought that as well. You know, you're not
3: supposed to analyze why the actress is running upstairs when there's no escape upstairs. Right. It's just scary, right? Like.
2: One thing came, you know, reminded me in Buffy about the judge and the doctor said that you can't kill a stone, and the, the idea from Buffy was, well, that was then, and this is now. <laughs> and so oh, you that's just, right. Demolish, she's got, yeah, the, she's got the bazooka. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, now we can just really demolish stone really well. <laughs> we so like, no you know, Jackhammer
1: and all this kind of No weapon forged
2: can destroy me because
1: right. it's stone, and she's just like, uh-huh, we've progressed. <laughs> so just like, yeah,
2: we should destroy those angels now.
1: <laughs> we also have a, well, our sister-in-law, I guess, uh, she has a uh, uh, <laughs> Uh, a figurine uh, of—I uh, mean, it's maybe like seven eight inches tall but it's four angels in a circle you know like, There's like touching, touching it, hands you put a
2: candle in the center and it's all really nice looking but oh it's not it, from the show it's no th- oh.
1: and it is the most terrifying <laughs> <laughs> it's it's so i creepy. don't even want to be in the same room when she's got it out and it's like i can't tell her but i'm just too freaked out <laughs> and they are
2: looking like stone they're, yes they're they are kind of a raw stone look it's really a nice piece yeah but and we, but our just, niece, it's our just niece the way we look would, at it. Is You have a raw stone
1: <laughs> angels in a circle. Well, our niece was sitting next to it and was like, look to your left. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> One year later, Sally owns a DVD store with Larry, but she cannot stop wondering how the doctor knew so much. She compiles all the information she has into a folder. The list of 17 DVDs, the transcripts, pictures, everything. As she looks out the window, she sees the doctor and Martha arrive in a taxi on their way to battle some creature. She stops them, but they have no memory of what happened, because it is still in their future. Sally realizes that the doctor got all his information from her. She hands him the folder and tells him to keep it with him. He will need it someday. Now that that mystery is solved, she can focus on other things. Like Larry.
7: And the list of the DVDs is, is in that packet.
1: Right. So, But it's a new
4: list that she wrote or the list that she got? The
7: list that she got.
4: But who Does wrote it that? It... Yeah, because it had to... In some time and space, it had to have but been it's written. it's circular. But it had to
2: have been written. She wrote it. Who That's wrote it? Effect. Larry. You're talking cause and effect. When did Larry write
7: it? When he saw that all... Every, all those seventeen. He
2: created that list. Oh, he created that list during that, his
4: detective work.
7: Yes.
0: Yeah. Before they met and went on this adventure, he found these Easter eggs on these certain seventeen and these titles. Weird,
4: okay. Seventeen. And and, and 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 since the doctor had that list, he knew which discs to put the Easter egg. To on. tell Billy yes. to put it on. So. Nowhere in time and space had anyone made a point to look at Sally's DVD shelf.
7: No. Okay. Sally only got it when she read it right. and realized, oh, they're all mine. Right. She,
0: yes.
4: No, no one ever wrote a list counting
2: her DVDs.
0: Be- exactly. Be- yes, because right. everybody has a piece of the puzzle, not right. the bigger picture. No, yeah, so I that's why it. they wouldn't think to look.
2: And who knows what she wrote in that folder? Maybe she did say, you know, it's a list right. of my 17 DVDs, which are these, you know, which gotcha. are different. Mm-hmm. List than what he had, but
4: I started to think that about a minute ago. But but I think what you're saying because it's been a too, year and
2: she's been compiling stuff going okay, how could he have known this? Doing like what you're doing, yeah. so right. she could be rewriting but everything. But
4: the fact of the matter still remains: she never found the Easter egg. So it, it was <laughs> kind of almost pointless to create that list in that but way. But she did find it. But she didn't find it. But she didn't need bad. to. Yeah. No, I know. But the reason that they made it those discs to begin with is so she would hopefully
1: come across it.
6: No, 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 no. no. no.
7: So that the person that came across it came across it. You, you know. But so you, then it's you're a forgetting thing
1: The Doctor. Right. Is never in peril. When they get zapped back into 1969, the Doctor knows everything that's going to happen, because it's right. all written down in the notes. And all he does is he pushes the pieces out as they happened, not not in how he plans it. Right. He doesn't plan it. He just pushes everything out the way it's been told to him. So
4: it was really more of like a Bad Wolf thing, where it was just like, hey, pay attention to this, rather than it had had a purpose that it was her no, it
2: The purpose was... To get Sally involved,
4: uh, my brain got stuck on those are s- s- her DVDs for a reason to look at those DVDs.
1: No, no, yeah. that's, it was her that's DVDs, agree- that's It was a- her yeah. DVDs to make her go. There's something right. special about the DVDs that I own. that it's right. for me. It's right. for my that that right. Easter egg is definitely for me. Right,
7: and Be, that's why she asked him. I need to watch all these videos.
4: Right. Okay. Well, my you can see where like my brain got stuck. In sure. Them, right.
7: Now, <laughs> along with that same one, is there
5: a reality that happened where she did get hit by the rock and put in her notes?
1: No, because they're not, not altering history. Always
5: ducked. She's always she's ducked. always, she's ducked. always because,
1: ducked. because that that writing was always there. Right. Mm-hmm. Because she always gave the. Information to the doctor. Well, if you
7: go into your high school physics books and look at the theory of relativity, this is the basic time principle of time is always flowing in the same direction, and that it's always happening the same way, and you just keep going around and round and round. So physics, yay! <laughs>
2: I liked how Kathy at the beginning said that Sparrow and Nightingale is a great name, mm. and so when they got together, they did the DVD store Sparrow and Nightingale. What is it
4: that he says that there's there's more to life than just this? Like, you ever think yeah. this is keeping you from other things? Yes, right. And she's like, we just own a shop, so there's there's definitely an inference that he's made advances, know, th- th- made advances, or maybe they've even had a thing, but she won't commit to it because yeah. of. This she's, never, obsessed this, she's obsessed with <laughs> She's obsessed with tying this this bow off. Like, yeah, like she needs closure. She needs closure. She
1: cannot move on right. in her own personal life until she has closure right. with and then whole this. Things. So and then exact, which she thinks she's never going to get.
4: You know, it's inferred that they do have they do form a life together. And yes. it's just it's that's what makes this this perfect little episode of television, whether or not you ever have seen or will see an episode of Doctor Who
7: again. Right? So now the question is. Did the doctor go to the house to write that message because he was just happened to be at the house and happened to come across these angels? Or did he go because he got the packet and he was curious and looked through the packet? Because the packet.
4: but wait, we but there is something that happened that zapped them back to 1969. Yes, and we don't know what that
7: is. It might have been at the house, it might be that.
4: It was at the house, yeah. They
5: found the TARDIS at the house. Oh, that's right, they found the TARDIS
1: Tardis at the house. That's right, no, no, he didn't
7: create it.
2: No, no, because he wrote it in the past, he didn't write it in the present. The TARDIS was lost within the last two years because they found it with the other cars at the house.
7: But Um, did he go to investigate at the house? And that's the yeah, thing. Yeah, so, yeah. so Sally created this
2: paradox
1: almost. Paradox
7: all the way oh. from the beginning. Giving so him the thing people that were was...
1: disappearing from the house. And, he went to look. and the doctor and Martha went to see why people were disappearing. Yes. And got zapped back to 1969. Yes. The doctor went, oh. And retrieved the paper. No, file. no. He,
2: I, it's the doctor. <laughs> I think he would have looked at that as soon as they thought what they were going to go for and you know, the, set it up. Right. Um, with the whole hatching and all that kind of with stuff, with the bow and arrow. I think he would have looked at it, and knowing the doctor, he would have memorized it. Yes. I mean, that's really quick. Yes,
1: but he doesn't know when it's going to happen.
2: Right, so he would have set up the whole DVD, you know, being able to read it in the TARDIS, uh, the protocol, 712, so that, you know, it's like to send back in time. Once he read all the paperwork, he put that already in motion. But he had I, can, right. I can see him putting the hologram into motion, but he can't put anything else in motion right. until he's in 1979. Yeah, you know, but it's like, I got to put it on a DVD. Uh-huh. He has to make a DVD player mm-hmm. in there. So it's like, yes, I completely that's agree with that. So it's like, he knows it. He's got to make a DVD that has that information on it mm-hmm. and done the hologram at that point. It, I don't think he knew that this was what's going on when he went to go investigate the no. missing people. No. I
7: don't know. It could have been agree. just like the, like the Matrix thing of, you know, now, did you knock over the vase because oh, I told you you were going to knock yeah. it over or did you knock it over no, because, because of the Because that situation? information
4: that information about the missing people and their cars was in the, probably in the folder that she gave him before she, he even mm-hmm. thought all this stuff. Yeah. So he's like, oh, so when this happens, we got to go find out about it. We got to go there.
7: That's what I just love. They just kind of really throw a lot of the time travel, predicting the future stuff. And, it's
1: and I can hear the written. doctor in my head when you said, is it like the Matrix, where did you knock the vase over because I told you you did, or did it just happen?
2: I can hear the doctor in my head going, "What difference does it make? If the vase is broken."
7: Yeah, because he knows it's going to happen. Yeah,
2: I did want I wanted to be in the production to find out. Do they want to go with bows and arrows? Are they going to carry hatchets? Are they going to carry <laughs> yes. you know what the is, what do they need? It's odd. like the bows are very funny, but. It just you know, stands out. So what, how odd did they want to go? It's like it one really of the other people like, that they talked about. Like, what else could they carry? It really was <laughs> like
1: we really need to say very quickly, this isn't the same doctor that you've, you've seen. That this is a doctor who won't know what's going on. Because it's like the doctor doesn't just go and kill creatures. Yeah. Or take taxis. Taxi, yeah. yeah. We, yeah. we don't even see the taxi driver, do we? Nope. Yeah.
7: It's Santa. I really love <laughs> <laughs> it's it's Santa. Santa. Oh, yeah, right. It would have been fun if he was wearing like a Robin Hood hat. Something <laughs> like that,
1: you know. <laughs> and just for me, I'm not the biggest fan of the little montage, don't blink at the end. I think it's a little silly, <laughs> but it's a sh- you know the, it's a show for little kids, yeah. and you know that would just terrify yeah. them for days. You know,
6: I,
3: yes, I, it would terrify the little kids. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's right.
1: Well, right. <laughs> it just breaks the
6: narrative. It's, it's already a different
0: world. episode, so I'm okay with having a different ending. But it's, it's just not, so like break. It's like the kid in me loved it. Yeah, I still I enjoyed, enjoyed it. it.
4: If this was true, mm-hmm. we would all be dead, or yeah. we would all be out of time, or whatever. Uh, Maybe I think we it are. Gives you, yes, I know. <sighs> I, I think it gives you enough of an emotional reaction to warrant it being different.
2: And it extends the episode to real life. So every time you go out and <laughs> yeah. you see a gargoyle, you see an angel, you see some kind of statue. I oh.
7: was at my friend's house as that little montage was going on. She got up and turned the angel around in her house and made it face the wall.
6: <laughs> She's like, nope. <laughs> Look over there.
5: <laughs> and that is the last like bit of of genre trope from the horror yeah. is that you think the monster's
4: defeated, yeah. but if you yes. just look around the corner, it's there, still yeah. there. Yep. Yeah. yeah, Like the statue of the kid flying a kite. That's
2: really creepy.
7: That is creepy. I know. <laughs> At night. <laughs>
0: <laughs> if you
2: ever have gone to Rome and seen some of those museums, the artistry in the faces and just in the marble, and they have a one that's a woman lying down. And it looks like it's fabric and it's marble, it's, but it's just mm. done so well that you could see them coming to life. They are so lifelike that it they, gives
0: you that extra little creepiness. Are you talking creepiness. about the Michelangelo ones? Or uh, there's a lot. A a lot there a lot, are a, a lot of different, different okay. ones, not just.
7: Just like the presence, like they feel like they have a presence.
0: I, I guess what you said reminded me of like him saying that his subject was trapped inside that stone of marble, and he used his tools to it like release Malian, them. Right? Yeah. Uh, Blink is the third story to be adapted from something else. Stephen Moffat wrote a short story for the Doctor Who annual in 2006 called... What I did on my Christmas holidays by Sally Sparrow, and in this version she's twelve years old.
5: And it's that that also is like that very Moffat that we come to find out, you know, girl in the fireplace, Mm -hmm. Amy Pond with Mm -hmm. her Raggedy Man. Like, like it's a it's a theme that he comes back to.
6: Yeah.
0: So the other ones to be adapted are Human Nature, The Family of Blood, which is a story arc by Paul Cornell, and then also the story uh, episode Dalek by uh, is an audio drama, I believe, by Robert Sherman. All right. Blink. Who is this episode good for? Or this episode is good for who? I think it's a great episode.
2: I know there's a lot of controversy in the um, fans of Who, whether or not it would be a good one to introduce somebody. Because it is a Dr. Light But I think I would say, yes, it's for the new viewer and everybody. Because I think a lot of people who don't want the Doctor Who to start, you know, not really interested in it, but could like a lot of the, you know, suspense kind of things can get into this because it is so well written. Such a good show that they could go, I do want to see more. So it's a good enticement for it. I am almost torn because they haven't watched a lot of other Doctor Who. And so they haven't earned this yet. Because it is such a good episode, and I was like, I don't want to start with the top, but... <laughs> you, don't <deserve> the <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> this you have to you. watch Fear Her first. No. <laughs> um, but I would say yes, you could introduce somebody to Doctor Who with this.
4: I agree. I originally was thinking this wouldn't be good for someone uh, who hadn't seen anything yet a new who viewer because there isn't enough doctor but watching it this last time there's so many elements of the doctor and when he does show up there's a lot in those scenes that he's in i think it really gives you a good example of the way these shows are written of the world and how good it can be and the type of thinking the mindset it puts you in when you watch doctor who and like i said it's a great piece of television so uh you coming to it as a new viewer you're also uh, in the mindset of sally and and larry so you're finding out about all this stuff just like they are and you want to know more and at the end of the episode you probably would be wanting to know more just like sally so it would probably this is a good one to lead you in
5: I will also agree with Frank and Josh. I think it's a great episode to start somebody off with. Even though the doctor isn't present, you get to see him a lot, you know, on the screens. like They get a lot of play out of that little bit of screen time. And the paradoxes with time travel, I think, are great. They're real thinkers. Like This whole episode really inspires a viewer to think, like, what is happening? How did that happen? Which I think is always good and hopefully would leave a new viewer wanting to see more. So I'm going to say this is good for everybody. If you haven't seen it yet, stop what you're doing. Go watch it.
7: So this episode, I think, was the second episode I watched Um, because Eugene really had to entice me to start watching Doctor Who. So I think I watched all the episodes we were like unanimous on and... I just watched it this morning with a new Who viewer and they loved it. I think I have shown it to several people as the first episode to watch and they like it. And then I guess maybe on that whole behalf, like they don't deserve it yet because then they watch other episodes and they're like, oh, this is not like that one. (laughs) But I think it's such a great episode. I've seen it like eight times, maybe more. I don't like watching things over again either. So I just really really love this episode I thought it was written well and I do love the idea of time travel and not many people do it well actually most people really mess up time travel and just use it as a device to create their storyline and this was really well thought out and it shows how well thought out time travel is with the doctor and that's why I always respect the writers so yes new who viewer
3: Um, Who is this episode good for? This episode is good for everyone. Everyone needs to see this episode. (laughs) So don't take my word for it. Watch it.
1: I would never show this episode to someone who doesn't know anything about Doctor Who. This is a brilliant, fantastic episode of Doctor Who. It's too different. And I would show it to a person soon after they got introduced. But I would, I would only recommend this one to somebody who already knew what Doctor Who was. You, I'm, I am showing them something, and I, say, and I want them to continue to watch Doctor Who. Oh, so and so what? I'm going to show them an episode that I think is the quintessential Doctor Who episode. I do not think Blink is it. And this will set up their expectation yes. to be false. And one thing that gets me as I was listening to all you guys talk is you were saying, well, we don't see the Doctor much. Or his companion. Um, When we had Human Nature and the Family of Blood, I said I would show it to everybody. Because even though we don't get the Doctor, we still get David Tennant. We still get Martha. And everybody is constantly talking about the Doctor during that episode. And you guys didn't agree with me. And in this one, he's in it exponentially less. But you're okay with it.
7: I didn't say that. I'm not okay with him not being there a lot. But I just like the episode.
1: I love the episode. <laughs> this is one. Of, well, this, I mean, this is one of my favorite episodes of all time. This is like the best written episode. You, you can watch this one and just marvel. They should teach this in a screenwriting class, yeah. you know, because this must have been so difficult. But this is not. This is if this is not something that I would show somebody that I wanted to turn on to Doctor Who. Maybe five or six episodes in. Again, you are starting them at the very, very top. The only place you can go is down. It's true. But
4: you then know,
5: always be chasing that high. <laughs> down. First one
4: free but well did you did you Eugene
7: hooked me with doing this so So, i'm on a doctor who podcast (laughs) after watching two really high episodes
2: two what was the other the The girl Girl in the the
7: fireplace
2: fireplace. hello
1: it's girl in the fireplace i have an example And this i'm not comparing the show in any way shape or form to (laughs) doctor who i never ever ever watched married with children could have cared less. I knew nothing about it. And Frank, I think you had it on once just... And it was an episode where the next door neighbors fly on a... Go on a plane. And the entire episode is the two of them flying on a plane. And and, and Marcy is, I think... Mm-hmm. The, and she's like really nervous about flying and the husband's trying to calm her down. And then they had their two wacky neighbors who were acting like idiots in the back of the plane. At the end of the episode, I really thought Married with Children was about Marcy and her husband. And the wacky sidekicks... Where they're wacky next door neighbors. And I do remember finding out like a year later, wait, the show was The Wacky Neighbors? <laughs> Ew! I, if I'm going to show somebody an episode of Doctor Who, the doctor's going to be in it. The doctor's going to have his companion in it. And there's going to be some interesting thing that shows you the doctor and the companion. That's my first episode.
5: So who is this one for? Casual.
1: Casual.
2: And I had a hard time going between a new viewer and casual. Because there's a lot of people who will never watch Doctor Who, and if they wanted to understand what I like about it and why I'm watching, I'd show them this. Now I can see why you like it. Oh, that is written well. This is nice. She's on the show, Carrie. It's <laughs> yeah. like, I know her from all this other stuff. It's like, like it. you have it's, real actors it's on it's this. Yeah. this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He he it. It. there yeah. are. When hey, hey, she
5: hey. meets the detective, and she's all like rainy and wet, and just <laughs> that close up of her just staring into his eyes. Sorry, Kelsey. Uh, wait, where
6: am I? Uh, you <laughs> thought she was cute there too. I did. <laughs> so, it so it's fair. So
3: you edit that. It's fair. <laughs> I wrote, um, next to Billy, Billy. Shipton, yeah. there's Billy. a heart so. <laughs> Billy, Billy yeah. Yeah.
5: And, and like Josh said, this is a good yes. television show, yes. I think this is good for anybody to watch as a piece of art, as a piece of TV as a piece of but like, is it a good elevated. Doctor
2: Who show? that's that's where I kept going mm. back and forth and I know that's, that's a big um, conversation that goes
0: on in Doctor Who fans my turn <laughs> For me, this is one of my favorite episodes, but I agree with Frank that you need to work your way up to this. You can't They
2: didn't earn it yet, yeah, they that's didn't why earn I kind it. of don't want to show somebody. Mm.
0: Yeah. But then if somebody's a fan of horror, this is one I would definitely show them cold because of the horror aspect. Yes. But then, you know, you have to know your audience. I'm torn between new and casual, but leaning more toward the casual just because of uh, the Dr. Lightness of it. And you're not getting what Brian said is the show. You're not getting the show in this episode, even though this is a great, beautifully executed episode. Mm -hmm. Oh, this is also an episode that I don't want to watch too frequently so that it doesn't lose the impact when I do watch it. I agree. It's a um, treasured special occasion episode when I will put it in the DVD player and watch it on several screens. So you've heard our thoughts on who we would recommend Blink for. What would you do if you were to introduce somebody to Doctor Who with? Would you choose Blink and why or why not? Email us at whonewpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. We will see you all next time when the future becomes the present. You've just listened to an episode of Who Knew. Our wonderful theme music is by Michael Grady. Find him on Facebook
7: at The Universe Explodes.
0: All our episodes are engineered by our very own Auburn.
7: Find me at
5: auburnbinkley.com.
3: You can find this show in several places.
5: Follow us on Twitter at Who New
3: Podcast. Subscribe, review, and listen to us on iTunes and Stitcher.
4: Or our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash whonewpodcast.
3: All our episodes are on whonewpodcast.com. You can leave comments there or email us at
4: whonewpodcast
5: at gmail.com.
0: This podcast is inspired by Dr. Who, the longest running sci-fi show in history, and especially the revival spearheaded by Russell T. Davis.
7: Thanks to Russell,
3: Sydney Newman,
0: Verity Lambert, Ron Grainer, and all those involved in the adventures of our favorite time lord. Your work continues to inspire and entertain. All right, blink. Okay, ready? Can you blink?
5: <clears throat> don't blink.
0: I really enjoy this episode. That's it. I
6: <laughs> know. Just go
0: watch this is it.
5: Good.
3: Just, just, just watch, watch it. it. Don't
5: don't bother listening to this. Just go watch it. Yeah, we get we'll there,
4: cut this out. Um, considering even though even those statues that were across the street from the police station, was it? Mm-hmm. Um, you tell me nobody on the street was looking at them? They're high up.
5: <laughs> it was raining. Raining. I, I'm, I'm People just, had umbrellas. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh, are
2: you talking to me? Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I didn't think you were talking to me. <laughs> Let me start again.
0: You're talking to me? <laughs> There's nobody else here. <laughs> Larry and Sally are the prototype for Amy and Rory, who are, are going to become the companion, who are going to uh, become the companion for a future Doctor. I think
4: it's is pretty obvious. Confirmed? She's. She, I th- To me, it's incredibly obvious. They're the same exact type of...
0: Well, we can't go into it too much, but we'll... I think it's certainly know. something Well, because it's a spoilery type oh, of thing. Yeah,
4: no, okay. Well, for those of you who haven't caught up, who haven't gone past the Doctor Who episodes that we are actually reviewing, there are future companions that are a lot Similar. like these types of people of Sally and, and Larry.
1: It's like <laughs> Riker and Troy are just like Decker and Ailea.
2: <laughs> there uh, we go. Now we got the Star Trek reference. <laughs> For those of us in the know.